I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Tuesday, July 30th. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage, and in some cases, start conversations. We do not do prayers or buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at our history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we may step on a few toes along the way, but our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We'll take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us, and we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. So let's talk native. But before let me uh, before we do that, let me remind people that uh, our audio streams live as we're doing our show at www.letstalknative.com. We stream live video of the show on Facebook Live. We take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud, which puts it out on your favorite podcast uh, platforms. We take the video and we put it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. I encourage people to subscribe to our channel and to subscribe to the podcast. And that way you'll catch our shows and you'll catch the conversations uh, that we have here that probably aren't held, uh, aren't had most places. So that's what we do here. We try to have the tough conversations on the tough issues and uh, and don't pull any punches in the process. I am the host of Let's Talk Native, and I'm joined in studio by Jake Proud, who is uh, managing our video and our sound. Um, let's get right to it. Um, I got to talk about revenue sharing again. I know we this is uh, you know a topic that I bring up from time to time, especially because the Seneca Nation is in the battle it's uh, of its life, essentially, with uh, with New York State over a billion dollar battle. I mean, and and there's no sense in uh, minimizing. This isn't just about sharing revenue. Sharing sounds so nice. Sharing is caring, right? No, this is about the state squeezing the Seneca Nation for a billion dollars over the next seven years. Well, two years past that they're trying to squeeze them for and another five years going forward. A billion dollars. Now, the point that I want to make today is that it isn't just the Seneca Nation that's being squeezed by states. This is something that's going on you know, across Turtle Island, uh, the all those those native entities that are operating uh, class three gaming uh, in accordance to the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act (IGRA) are are as vulnerable as could be to the states. Now, they weren't supposed to be the way IGRA was was crafted in the first place. It was supposed to be clear that among the objectives of the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act were Two things, uh, to protect native gaming from being infiltrated by organized crime and to protect 
native gaming from being squeezed by the states, from aggressive states and, and from, you know, perhaps states that are more than just aggressive, that are, you know, uh, organized crime in their, uh, in their own right. One of the things that uh, that was a, a part of the original IGRA, Indian Gaming Regulatory Act um, legislation, was a provision that said if a state does not negotiate in good faith, if they don't want to be fair, if they don't, if, if they won't play ball, and if they, because, well, let me back up. One of the main requirements with IGRA is that the native entity that wants to do gaming um, is required under IGRA to enter into a gaming compact, a a contract essentially with the state, which allows the state to have some regulatory uh, presence in native gaming. And we could argue, depending on the compact, it could be very oppressive. It could be, um, eh, you know, it could just be receiving reports. What is clear um, as a part of that involving states into native gaming, which they didn't have any say in it before, before IGRA was passed, in uh, in uh, 1988 there was no uh the states weren't involved in our, in our gaming in fact part of the reason the igro was passed was because states were were still trying to shut us down and the supreme court ruled the year prior that the uh the, if the states the states could stop a native territory from doing gaming that's essentially what the what the supreme court said so the knee-jerk reaction from Congress was, wow, we better put something in place because if the Supreme Court just said the states can't stop native gaming, we could see an, an inundation of, of native gaming. And, and of course, though, you know, all of the, you know, the, the, the threats of organized crime and all that other stuff you know, were part of that conversation. But what was clear in IGRA was that the states were not going to be permitted to tax native gaming. That was prohibited by IGRA. But <laughs> what states got a little crafty at, uh, at was figuring, well, maybe we can enter into agreements with these uh, with these tribes on, uh, on revenue sharing. Now, the Interior Department, which is the, uh, the agency involved with the enforcement and the oversight uh, of the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act, made it very clear that revenue sharing cannot be a cover for a tax. In fact, the Interior Department said very clearly that in order for revenue sharing to pass the test that it's not a tax was that the states had to provide something substantial. They had to provide a concession to the native gaming enterprise that was both substantial and quantifiable. But Now, by substantial, it means that it had to be worth it to the native gaming enterprise to to want to do the revenue sharing. So whatever the concession was that the state was offering, it had to be clear that it had to be in the in the native gaming entity's best interest to do that. So what, the reason I'm saying it this way is, it's not just that it had to be a wash. It had to be an advantage. So Seneca's, which uh, uh, are paid had been paying and are now tallying up because we don't know what's what's going to come out of this this battle with the state. They have been paying 25% of the net slot drop, 25% of the gross revenue of, of the slot machine. That means the amount of money that those slot machines take in minus the payouts. No overhead. 25% right off the, off the top. Now, the first thing that comes out is the payouts. 
The second thing that comes out is the, is 25% to the state. So that's what the, so, I mean, what that is equaled in the, in the 14 years of the compact that the Senate has agreed to, it's been almost $1.5 billion. Now, here's the thing. The, the concession that the state claims to have got, given was exclusivity. The problem is there was never any exclusivity. And the state didn't give something up that they, that they could do. The state didn't have something in their hand to say, well, rather than us keep this for ourselves, we're going to give it to you. And for that, you're going to pay us a billion and a half dollars. There's no question that what the state offered the Seneca is this exclusivity was not only not an exclusivity, but it wasn't worth $1.5 billion. In fact, we argue it wasn't worth anything. Because here's the thing. What the state agreed to was that nobody would compete against the Senecas within a 15-county area of Western New York. Well, nobody could compete against the Senecas anyway. Why is that? Because the state couldn't do casino gaming. The state couldn't license casino gaming. It was was prohibited. Now, they could do... Um, class two gaming, they could, you know, do casino nights at a church or an American Legion or bingo, but they couldn't, they do, couldn't do class three gaming. It was prohibited by state law. So the state didn't give up this class three development to the Senecas. What the state still was able to do was class two gaming. And you know what? They did class two gaming right within the exclusivity zone they promised the Senecas. So to the extent that the state could compete against the Seneca Nation by state law. Forget about the compact. Just by state law, they did compete against them. So the state didn't give up anything. And for, you know, uh, words on a paper that, you know, carved out an area that the Seneca, uh, that the state claimed was going to be an exclusivity zone, the state got paid $1.5 billion, almost $1.5 billion from the Senecas. So the states were getting 25% for nothing. In fact, not only were they getting twenty five percent, they actually built out on their uh, on three of the racetracks within that ex- so called exclusivity zone slot parlors, where they were getting in an even bigger percentage. So not only was the Senate, the state, you know, pulling in a billion and a half dollars from the Senecas, they were pulling in money from from three racetracks that had slot parlors. And then at the tail end of this fourteen year compact period. The uh, <laughs> the state legalized class three gaming, and now they've got a casino that is competing in this mar- in this market. Well, I mean they're they're outside the exclusivity zone, but just barely. In fact, the Lago uh, Casino right on the New York State Thruway is just a stone's throw away from what would be considered the line for this exclusivity zone. So they're clearly marketing in Western New York. In fact, they advertise on the radio. <laughs> I mean, even tour groups, uh, uh, companies that are doing bus packages, they were actually advertising on the Seneca Nation's radio station that they were providing tours to Delago Casino. It wasn't it wasn't a, um, a Delago advertisement, but it was a tour bus company that was advertising on Seneca radio station that they that they bring t- bus tours to, to Delago. I mean, there's something really really wrong with that. But that's uh, again, so. The reason I'm bringing all this stuff up is because it isn't just the Seneca Nation that, that's going through this thing. It turns out um, other states have been looking at New York State and saying, you know, we want that. 
places like New Mexico, Oklahoma, they want they want 25% because they haven't been getting it. Now, they haven't really been offering anything for the percentage that they've been getting either. So New Mexico was, you know, getting a, you know, I don't know, 10% or something like that. They started squeezing the native entities in New Mexico for a bigger, bigger piece. In fact, in New Mexico, <laughs> this is how greedy the states get, right? In New Mexico, they even wanted to the the native territory, the native gaming entities that were offering free plays. They wanted to they wanted to take money from that too. So even even the free plays. So I mean, this, again, this isn't money going in into a slot machine. This is a credit that that's, that's the these native gaming ent- entities offer. It's not even real money. It's just a credit. I mean, it plays like money. But New Mexico said, no, we want a percentage of that too. That's not revenue. That's, that's an expense. And they still wanted a piece of that. In fact, uh, you know, some of the native entities in New Mexico brought that to court and actually, um, had that, you know, and sued, sued New Mexico and, and won. And so it was an example of, of a greedy state that actually had a court ruling go against them. Now, Oklahoma, there's a governor, Stitt, who is trying to squeeze the the native uh, gaming enterprises in Oklahoma? And and he's being real clear. Look, I'm not I'm not, I'm not paying this five or five. I'm not collecting this this five or ten percent stuff. No, I want what New York has. I want twenty five percent. I want to squeeze you guys the way New York State squeezes the Senecas. Now, now the problem with that is that so that means the Senecas deal isn't just bad for Senecas. It's bad for everybody else. And we can go back in time a little bit because when Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of California, he actually reached out to the Senecas because he wanted to he wanted to use the model in California that New York had with the, with the Seneca Nation, twenty five percent. He was hoping that that he could use the Seneca as the model so he could squeeze the the, the California uh, gaming enterprises. I mean, the 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 bar was lowered for native gaming when when the Senecas uh, entered into their compact. It was it was a bad compact from the start, 25%. Actually, it starts out 18, then it went to 22, and then 25%. But the bulk of um, uh, that the compact term, uh, like seven of those years, was uh, was at 25%. And that's why it, it ballooned up to $1.5 million or billion dollars that the Senecas paid. But other states look to New York and say, "Man, we want we want what they have. We want to, we want to do to our territories, our native peoples, what this what New York State has done to the done to the Senecas." And of course, New York squeezed the the Mohawks of Anacostasi and squeezed Oneidas to to do twenty five percent too. And again, didn't offer them anything. Oh, the exclusivity! They couldn't build casinos in those markets anyhow. And in fact, Oneida, they've got a racetrack three miles away from Turning Stone. Three miles with a big slot parlor. So the bar got lowered, you know, for from a native standpoint. I mean, it got raised from from a state standpoint. So other states want what, what New York State has. See, and so so why is this? I mean, as I said at the beginning of the show, if states can't uh, under the the language of Igor, if they weren't supposed to be able to be this aggressive towards native territories, how did how are they pulling this off? Well, I go back to um, to a challenge in, in, uh, that took place almost immediately when, when Iger was passed. The state of Florida uh, 
sued. I remember that provision I told you that uh, that was in in, in um, incorporated into the uh, Indian Gaming Regulatory Act that said a tribe could sue a state if they didn't want to negotiate in good faith. If they didn't want to play fair, the uh, the tribe could sue them in federal court. Well, the problem is there uh, there's constitutional uh, protections for states uh, about being sued. And for the federal government to pass a law that opened the door for a state to be sued is, uh, is a violation of, I don't know if it's the 11th or 13th, 11th Amendment, I guess, of the Constitution. So that's what Florida uh, challenged it, and they won. So essentially, the, the provision of IGRA that gave recourse to Native people if a state wants to be aggressive was stripped from the from the act, and there's never been anything to clarify. Well, what happens if a state is aggressive? What happens if a, if a state does squeeze or extort money out of a native territory? See, there's and, and they what well, they refer to this as um, there's no Seminole fix because this is this was between the state of uh, Florida and, and the Seminole Nation. Though because there was never a Seminole fix, a fix to this. You know uh, uh, that tipped the whole scales on IGRA towards the states. For thirty years, there's been this big question mark. Well, if a st- because here's the thing: if a state says we want revenue sharing, and if the, and the tribe says no, they says, well, then we're not going to enter into, into a compact with you, or we're going to let the one that we have expire, and w- you won't operate with a compact. And if you don't operate with a compact, you're operating in violation of IGRA, and we'll shut you down. Now, we don't know if a state really can shut a native gaming enterprise down, a, a one that's operating. We don't know what happens if the state says, walks, or if state walks away from a, from a gaming compact. Most of the language associated with even this recourse had to do with opening a, a gaming enterprise. So if a state wanted to enter into a gaming compact and 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 a, and a state wasn't fair, that's what where Iger said, well, you could sue them. Of course, that went away. But for an, uh, for an existing uh, enterprise, so for an existing gaming concern, what happens if a state says, no, we're going to walk away, we're going to walk away from this compact, uh, we don't agree with it, and uh, and you'll be operating in violation of federal law. Well, because there is no seminal fix, we don't know. 30 years of IGRA, 30 years, we still don't have an answer, a basic answer to the question, what happens if a a state plays hardball and and says, we'll walk away from a compact? Does that mean that that a Class 3 gaming enterprise has to close? If New York State says, pay us or we're going to... Walk away from this compact. We're going to declare this compact null and void. Does that mean the Seneca, the Senecas are done? And you know what? Nobody even wants to ask the question. And and who should you ask the question? Well, you should ask the question to, to the Interior Department. They're supposed to be the oversight agency, but they won't answer the question. They they won't come up with a definitive answer, even though they had some pretty clear language associated with what was the legitimate revenue sharing. Uh, 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 provision, they've never enforced one. I mean, and to the extent that the Interior Department has to um, review all gaming compacts, they have three choices on what they do with a gaming compact. They can approve it, they can um, reject it, and, and or they can do neither. 
which is the same as approving it. Now, if, if they don't, if they say, well, we're not, we're not going to approve this thing, but we're not going to reject it either. If they say, we are, we're going to punt, they can, they can write up what their concerns about the compact uh, are, but it doesn't stop the compact from going forward. And in, in fact, I think in, uh, in most states, that's what the Interior Department does. Because they can see that the states are being aggressive. And, but here's the thing. From the Interior Department standpoint, well, if the states want this thing and the, and the, the gaming enterprise, the native gaming enterprise is willing to do that, who are we to stop it? So that's, that's a view that the Interior Department would say, well, if the Senecas want to, are willing to pay 25%, who are we to st- stop them? We don't like it, and we're going to write it up. We're going to say, look, we have a problem with this provision. We think it's, it's aggressive. We think that it's, uh, it's too much money for what the Senecas are getting. But the Senecas want to pay it. Then we'll uh, we'll punt and we'll let we'll let it go through, and so that's what happened. Well, so what happens when both sides don't agree? So here here we are with the Seneca Nation went through the uh, um, the fourteen years of their of what they agreed to in terms of revenue sharing, as egregious as it was. That's what they agreed to, and they said, "But look, the, the renewal for seven years doesn't have any payments." The state says, "Well, well we're going to make you pay." We're going to make you pay. And they went into arbitration and got a couple of white guys on the arbitration panel to say, uh, well, of course they've got to pay. Otherwise, they'd be getting their their concession from the state for nothing. They never evaluated that concession. They never said, well, let's look at that revenue sharing. Let's look at what the the state is giving them. Before we say they have to pay, let's look at what the the state is giving up to them. No, they didn't do that. They just said, well, it it says on paper that that they got something. So if they're going to get something, they got to pay it, pay for it. So that's what the arbitrator said. But the Seneca say, no, we didn't agree. There's no language in the renewal. In fact, the the compact clearly says we only pay for 14 years. There's no language about paying uh, in, into the renewal period or any payments past 14 years. And it's explicit. It is very clear that the the revenue sharing was uh, 18% for the year's uh, uh, one through four, it was uh, 22% through years five through uh, seven, and then it was 20, uh, 25% years eight through 14. That's it. There's no other language about revenue sharing after that. So that's, that's the position the Senate is saying. And so what New York State is saying? Well, we, if we don't like it, then uh, we, don't, we don't have to, we'll declare the, the compact in breach. So the Seneca Nation went into arbitration, binding arbitration, and lost. And they raised the question to the Interior Department. They said, well, essentially these arbitrators are rewriting the compact, so you, you need to review it. The Interior Department took the position that says, well, if the state's not asking us to review it, I mean, when, when a brand new compact is pre- presented to it, it comes from both parties. But you're asking us unilaterally to review it. Eh, we're not... We don't want to look at it unless both parties want us to look at it. And of course, they're saying, hell no, we don't want you to look at this at this change. We don't want you to reevaluate the compact this time, especially since both parties don't agree. Remember what I said earlier? Yeah, the, the, the Interior Department can can punt and, uh, and not um, approve a, a compact, but not de- reject it either if both parties agree and let it go through. Well, what happens when both parties don't agree? But the Interior Department is telling the Senecas, for instance, and... <clears throat> And probably these all these other states as well, saying, "Well, if we if the states don't 
ask us in, we're not going to come in. Well, how absurd is that? That's your job. I mean, and you know how we always get, we get all this smoke blown up our ass about, <clears throat> about the trust responsibility. The interior department has a, is the agency charged with fulfilling the trust responsibility the United States has towards native people. And remember when they passed IGRA? Oh no, we, we, we passed this law to protect native people from states and from organized crime. Oh yeah, this is all about, this is all to protect you. Like hell. This is about a knee-jerk reaction that, for the federal government to get involved in, in gaming and for and to, for the federal gov- government to involve the states in native gaming. And so now, 30 years of IGRA, we still can't get the Interior Department to, to make any firm determination about what a state can and can't do. Since they removed that provision that says uh, a native territory could sue... Right now, uh, the Seneca Nation can't sue um, the state. They can sue the Interior Department to force them, and that's what they've begun to do. And, of course, the other thing is, coming out of binding arbitration, they can just not agree with the arbitration and refuse to pay, and then the state can sue the Seneca Nation in federal court. I don't think that's a terrible thing now, because the arbitrators again, insisted that the Senecas were getting something for nothing. They're the ones who, they opened up a can of worms there. They said, well, they'd be getting an exclusivity provision for nothing if they didn't pay. So, of course, they have to pay. Well, because they use language like that, in a review about whether the Senecas really have to pay, especially if the state sues them in federal court, they said, well, we, uh, the arbitrators mentioned the exclusivity. That, that door's been opened. Well, let's, let's look at it. See, I mean, it is really absurd that the Interior Department is rejecting their responsibility, is delinquent, is, you know, it, it, it just refuses to do their job. And, and the reason they're refusing is because they don't want to cross it. They say, well, we don't want to take a side. What do you mean you don't want to take a side? You're an agency charged with fulfilling the trust obligations of the United States to Native Territories. It's, it's absurd on so many different levels. Hey, we're at the bottom of the hour, so uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll get into a little bit more. I'm going to dance a little bit with the, another one of my favorite subjects, uh, racism, but I'm going to continue on this one as well. So we'll be, we'll be back in just a minute. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. One night I had a casino dream, and there were voices in my head. I could hear a song from far away, and this is what it said. I had to tell someone 
So I went and told my mother, and she said, let me tell you, son. Your great-grandfather was an Indian prince from a tribe called Wannabe. And when I was but a little girl, he would sing this song to me. Ancestors have asked us that they might live again. So we memorize these words that we will sing in Washington. All right, I want to thank you for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. And I also want to thank uh, our sponsors. I want to thank uh, Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses. I want to thank Eric White and ERW Enterprises. And I want to thank uh, the anonymous donors that are out there, including a few that will drop a check in the mail on occasion and uh, help us. A good friend, uh, Ed Schindler, who contributes to the show. And I want to thank Ed for contributing by joining us on the show as often as, as he is. Uh, he's traveled back out of town. In fact, uh, he traveled well. So I uh, I help, uh, I brought Ed to the airport as he as he left us. And uh, I can assure you his, his journey went well. Um but I also want to thank those of you who share the show, who uh, who share it on Facebook, who share the the podcasts and the and the YouTube videos. It's the way these conversations um, uh, spread. And what I'm talking about here, look, I got to tell you, I live on I live on the Cattaraugus Territory, Seneca Nation, and there isn't enough conversation about this happening here. I mean, there, there really isn't. There isn't. There's not enough conversation, and maybe people just don't get it. We're, we're talking about a billion dollars that is going to be taken, not offered up. Look, the Seneca's, for, in their infinite wisdom, being guided by very, very smart attorneys, <laughs> um, agreed to the uh, revenue sharing that they that they they thought they were done with after after fourteen years, um, but they aren't out of the woods yet. But and they, and they paid a billion and a half dollars. Now. If they have to pay for the, uh, for the seven years renewal period, which two years already gone by now, if they have to pay, that's going to be not an agreed to payment. That's an imposed payment. That's that's essentially an imposed fee by the state of New York to take another billion dollars away from the Senecas. That's a billion dollars worth of programs. It's a billion dollars, you know, annuities, uh, all the budgetary issues of the Seneca Nation. Look, gaming is what funds everything for the Seneca Nation. That may not be a good thing, but it is what it is. Gaming in the Seneca Nation funds everything. Every program, you know, all the nation employment, it's, it's all funded through through gaming. There's very little revenue that comes from any other sources. Look, they, they've got a couple of gas stations and they've got some oil, you know, uh, some gas leases and that kind of stuff. Um, but all that stuff pales by comparison 
the money that the Seneca Nation uses for its services, for its programs, comes from gaming. And if the state's going to continue to squeeze them, not only squeeze them for another billion dollars, but compete against them every step along the way with enterprises that aren't doing so well. I mean, everybody thought this you know, gaming market was... Uh, you know, knew no depth. So, you know, there was no, there's no limit to how much gaming there could be. You know, the belief that, well, look at Vegas. They've got all kinds of casinos and they all do well. This is in Vegas, friends. This is New York. <laughs> and this is an area that, um, that does not have a, a huge tourism draw. Even with Niagara Falls, there's only one place in New York State that could honestly claim if they put a casino up, that most of the dollars would be coming from out of the state. And that'd be in New York City. Because New York City does have a constant, all year long, a constant um, flow of tourists that goes through there. But there's not a constant flow of tourism here. You know, and uh, all of these gaming enterprises capitalize on a local market. Now, for the Seneca Nation, that's fine because the local market is in Seneca's. If if Seneca's had to do gaming where only Seneca's could, could gamble... They would, they they'd be uh, you know a Morton building with a bingo hall in it, and that's about it. But to to have the market for a casino, you need to have a draw outside your immediate area for the Seneca Nation. They 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 need New Yorkers to to come, and that's what they've got. The problem is New York when they build these casinos in uh, in Rochester or in Schenectady or in downstate. There's, it's it's almost like a backhanded tax. They're pulling that money from the local economy. They're pulling it from the movie theaters. They're pulling it from uh, from every patron that goes in there. And the state pulls out pulls you know forty you know thirty five to forty five percent off of the off of the, these these slot machines. Yeah, almost up to over forty percent. That's what the state pulls out of stuff, and 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 the rest of it. Goes to the gaming corporation, which may or may not be locally um, based. I mean, Genting Corporation that has the big one down there in the Catskills. They're from Malaysia. It's a Malaysian company. So not only does a bunch of money go to New York, go to Albany from from the region, but a bunch of it's he- heading off to to to, uh, to Malaysia. And if you're uh, uh, some of the other ga- gaming corporations, may be public companies. So it's going it's going off to shareholders. There's not a whole lot of revenue that goes immediately back into the uh, into the local economy. You know where it does? Native gaming. Every dime the Seneca Nation gets gets spent here. You know, the only place that it doesn't get spent here are their Washington lobbyists and their Albany lobbyists, which uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit here. Here's the thing, folks, and, and this is advice that is not just for the Seneca Nation, but it's for all of the native territories that are fighting uh, the the state of Oklahoma, the state of New Mexico, any of any, any native t- uh, entity that is doing gaming that it, that has an aggressive state that's trying to squeeze them for revenue sharing, we need to put those things away. We need to stand together. We need to force the Interior Department to do their freaking job. And no, it's not enough to just punt. I mean, you're the, you're supposed to be the experts. If you knew the Senecas were getting screwed on the revenue sharing for 14 years, and the best you could say is, well, we're not going to approve and we're not going to reject the compact. And then when the compact expires, you won't even lift, you know, bend your crust to, to, to take a look at it again now that you don't have both parties agreeing. 
Shame on you. You're derelict in your responsibility, uh, BIA, Interior Department. But you know what? I don't understand why the Senecas aren't working closely with the native entities in in, um, in Oklahoma and in New Mexico and other places. I know. Beyond the the um, um, National uh, NIGA, or, or no, I'm sorry, uh, um, National, what is it called? The uh, Congress, NC, NCAI, National Congress of American Indians. Look, they whitewash stuff. I mean, they aren't going to stand against states. They're trying to sell their stuff to states. And, you know, so all these organizations, you know, these tribal organizations, most of them, you know, are, are populated by, by people who have assimilated so much that they want to they milk their whatever native advantage they have, but they, they want to be able to drill, baby drill. They want to be able to do coal mining. They want to be able to sell all their, their extractive industries. They, I mean, they, they want to be involved in, in uh, state and federal elections. They want to do all that stuff. They're not standing on our own autonomy and our distinction. But I'll tell you, native entities need to distance themselves from state control. IGRA was a terrible thing when it comes to um, uh, native people having having state state uh, the state's po- uh, power over them. It was a terrible piece of legislation. And we were at the table for this. This got shoved down our throats. And of course... I say shoved down our throats, but then too many of us were willing to say, well, you know, we can do gaming, but if we do it through IGRA, then we can, it might be easier to borrow money. It may be easier to get vendor contracts. IGRA was for vendors and for states. It wasn't for native people. It didn't empower us. It took power away and gave it to the states. It gave security to vendors saying, okay, well, any question we had about the legality, as long as we do it this way, we know that we're, we're involved in a legal enterprise. If we deal with a, with a native entity that's not operating under IGRA, oh, wow, that'd be dangerous. We have to distance ourselves from the state. And, you know, and, and not just on gaming. Look, as, as people have looked at hemp and cannabis and all kinds of other stuff, too often times we, we find ourselves jumping right in bed with the state again. We need to distance ourselves, and we we need to stand strongly, strong with other native entities who are battling their states. Because it's not enough to have your lawyers do it. And this gets me into into another another subject. <laughs> you know, I, I talk about race a lot, a racism. I don't talk about race. I talk about racism. See, I, I think the race issue is is a fabrication. Racism's real. Race is not. Now look, we got colors of skin. We have you know straight hair. We got curly hair. We have brown eyes. We have blue eyes. We have dark skin. We have light skin. Yeah, but that's uh, those are characteristics of people usually affected by by the environment. You know, environment over a long period of time. <clears throat> but the idea of genetic superiority—that's what racism is. The belief that there's genetic uh, genetic su- superiority based on this designation and characteris- uh, characterizing people by race. That's what racism is. Racism is about power and it's about superiority. And racism is systemic. And I'll tell you, I'll explain how systemic it is. But first let me, I've always said this, that people of color 
Oppressed people cannot be racist. Now, they can support racism, and I'll, let me explain the difference. See, if you're a native person, the only way you could be racist is if you believe that you are superior by virtue of being native, that you believe that your race as a native person makes you an inferior or a superior being to other other races, maybe even other native entities. I don't know. But that's what racism, racism is believing that that race can determine intelligence um, and and obviously uh, it can determine power or, or, or rights, you know, all kinds of things. And, and, and of course, that's why you had slavery. You had slavery because white people thought they, they, they had the power, they had the right to enslave people of color, native people, black people. People of color. And of course, they had the church support them on that. See, that's what racism is. Now, here's the problem. While Native people and, and black people, I mean, people of color, may not believe that they are superior. They may, have, they, they may be, you know, angry. <laughs> they may harbor all kinds of hostility against other peoples because of being, having been the uh, the victims of racism and oppression for so many years, when 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 I was told very, as very very young age, never trust a white man, that sounds like a real racist thing to say. Well, the pro- the problem is we've had a history of of being screwed by white people, lands, murder, rape, residential schools, I mean all kinds of stuff. <laughs> a governor trying to squeeze a billion dollars out of Zionist nation. No, we have a history of being screwed by white people. So that may not be necessarily a racist comment, but, you know, a, a cautionary tale. <laughs> but being told never to try, trust a white man doesn't mean that you're, you're superior. In fact, it, by, many, by, by many ways of looking at it, it's, it shows our vulnerability to trusting white people. Now, that's not to say I don't trust any white people. I do. There, there's some. Some there. There are fine people on both sides. <laughs> yeah, I said that. Uh, um, but here's the problem: too many people of color, native people, black people, you know, uh, people just generally people who've been oppressed, do believe that white people are superior. No, really. Seneca Nation, if you don't think they believe white people are superior, then you got to ask yourself, why do they pay millions of dollars to white people giving them advice? Why do they pay these lawyers? Why do they pay these consultants? Why are they the ones who screwed them out of a billion and a half dollars in the gaming compact that they entered into? Why? Because they're white people. And they're smarter, right? We don't have native people. We don't have statesmen. I mentioned this the other day. We don't have Seneca statesmen meeting with um, the, the Cherokee or, or, or Lakota or the Choctaw or anybody else. They're statespeople. No. We let, our, let the white lawyers do it all. Why? Because we feel inferior to them. Our own people buy into this. And you know what? Black people, same thing. 
the whiter a person can act, the more we trust them. The more they, oh, you you have a degree from Harvard, just like white people. Oh, yeah, we're going to trust you then. You you mean you you talk almost like a white person. We're going to trust you. You've got an education, just like a white person. You have an office building in Washington D.C. Wow, that's just like white people. So even when we when we find a person of color in those professions, it's because, I mean, how many times have you heard people say, well, the modern day uh, warrior is a briefcase warrior? Bullshit. If you're walking around with a briefcase, don't give me this, this line, the line that you're a warrior. You're not a warrior. You're playing, you're playing a fool's game because you're going to pretend as a native person that you can play in that, in that form and do, and do all right. Well, you know what happened when we took native gaming and we followed their their, uh, their the path they laid out before us for, with Igra. Now, again, keep in mind, class two gaming, we don't need any of that nonsense. And so everybody keeps saying, "Well, you know, this, the native people should just do class two. Well, I don't disagree with that completely. But here's the thing: why should native people have to give up class three? Why? Because they created a law that is totally unfair, and everybody knows it. Interior Department knows it. Every lawyer who represents... You know what the lawyers tell the Seneca Nation? It's unfair. You know, it, 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 it's it, everything stacked against you. They don't say, here's how we even the score. They don't tell them that. And said, they're going to go to Tom Reed. They're going to go to uh, Brian Higgins. They're going to go to Kirsten Gillibrand. They're going to go to Chuck Schumer. They're gonna, they don't care about which party it is. The Senate nation is going to find which white politician can help them best. Which white lobbyist is going to help them best. And you know what? They don't even determine whether they're getting any value out of these. They just keep paying the money. Oh, well, no, we'll just keep... Yeah, we'll, we'll throw some money into, the, into this campaign and that. And the crazy part is they'll donate money to both the Republicans and the Democrats. Well, how does that buy you favor? You're just... What, paying an entrance fee? And then you're walking away from the movie? We need to distance ourselves. We need to stop buying in to their racism. We shouldn't be supporting racism by believing that these white saviors are gonna uh, are there for us. And you know what? When I say white saviors, I mean anybody in that system either. Look, because the black guy who was the president of the United States didn't save us either. Any of these you know, 20 or so Democrats running for the presidency, they're not going to save us either. Why? Because racism is systemic. Again, it is so systemic that we're a part of that system. That's why a white man with a briefcase can walk in and, and, and dictate Tell the Senecas what they need to do to, to, to stay in the game. And look, <clears throat> I know there's native lawyers, but they bought into the same thing that the white lawyers did. So they're not getting advice. They're not getting advice on sovereignty or autonomy. They're saying, well, you can fight it, but you're probably going to lose. That's what the lawyers tell them. And in the meantime, you've got state after state that are looking at New York State saying, man, they got over on the Senecas. 
We need to get over on ours. California. Look, they, they, they wanted the Seneca model. They wanted to force all the native entities in California to do the same thing the Senecas were doing, paying through the nose to the, uh, uh, to the state. The governor in Oklahoma literally said that he wants the, the, the tribes in Oklahoma to pay what other pot tribes are paying. Now, he didn't have to name the Senecas by name, but when he starts talking 25%, and he's not giving them anything, which is, that's what, that's why he's saying, well, the New York State didn't give the Senecas anything. <clears throat> Still got 25% out of them. And even though the Interior Department, like I said, made it very clear <clears throat> before uh, the, the states were able to pull the, uh, the lawsuit out of, the lawsuit, um, Recourse out of the uh, out of Igra said no no states you you cannot impose a tax on on native people and and if you're going to do revenue sharing the test is that it has to be substantial and quantifiable whatever you give has to be substantial and by substantial it means it has to be worth more than what the native entities are going to pay the revenue sharing that the state offered the Senecas. In order for it not to have been not to uh, or to, to pass the test that the Interior Department had, it had to be worth more than one point five billion dollars. More than more, again, let me say it again because that number it's it's a lot. It had to be worth more than one point five billion dollars. Otherwise, if it's just a wash, then how is that in the interest of the Seneca Nation? They needed they needed to benefit from the concession not just a concession be something that they, they, they that hurts them that they have to pay more uh, pay out more money than it's worth that hurts your business look the Seneca Nation cannot expand gaming anymore they really can't because the market's saturated. I mean, the, the, the state's got casinos. And now the state's casinos are worried that the state's going to jump the gun and open up casinos in the New York City area, which will take even more revenue, they believe, from them. Because, you know what? Some of those tourists that go to New York, they go to New York City, they're from upstate. I go to New York every, once, every, every week. I'm not a tourist, but uh, I go every week. But I bring my family down for, as tourists sometimes. They know... That if casinos open up in New York City, one, two, three, that's going to be this the successful casino um, for for the state of New York. That's the one that's going to make money. And when they make money, they're going to pull not only from tourism, they're going to pull from New Yorkers, not just New York City residents, but the, um, they're going to pull it from from every place else. Genting Corporation, they've got gaming on uh, out Long Island and one of their um, the racetracks. <clears throat> they've got gaming in Monticello at a racetrack, which they pretty much just buried a bunch of machines. And now they've got uh, one of the one of the the, the four uh, class three casinos in New York State in uh, in the southern tier. And none of them are, per- are performing up to up to the marks that they uh, that they floated out in their performance when they when they bid putting these casinos. <clears throat> in fact, most of them had to. Uh, get an adjustment done on, on how much gaming uh, machine, how many gaming machines they're going to have on their floor. 
because they weren't getting enough play per day. That, and that's true for Delago. That's uh, uh, true for um, Rivers Casino out in, in Schenectady. Of course, now they just threw another England. Now they've got sports sports betting, which is going to be another losing venture because they're competing against New Jersey and, and, uh, and Pennsylvania that have had sports betting all along, and they have mobile uh, sports betting. They can you can go Pennsylvania. You can bet, make a place a wager on your phone. In New York, you got to go right into the casino. You got to go into the casino. You can't do anything re- remotely. You got to go into the casino, and there's other restrictions. You the, it, what the, the state has approved for sports betting says, oh, you can't bet on any events that are where the competition is happening in New York State. So you can't bet on Yankees games. You can't bet on, bet on Syracuse football. You can't bet on if 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 any if Madison Square Garden or the Carrier Dome hosts. Uh, um, uh, the NCAA tournament can't bet on that. That's in New York State. I mean, the restrictions. I mean, look, if you want to, the horse racing industry has failed in New York. The only reason they've been able to keep some of these tracks um, viable is by turning them into into casinos. I mean, it, that that is a you know a terrible, terrible sport, inhumane sport. And now what New York State is approving for... I mean, look, New York State can screw up everything. They haven't been able to, even able to uh, do anything with their medical marijuana. Uh, I mean, they, they screwed that, that pooch. <clears throat> so, look, that's why I say we need to separate ourselves from the state. We need to do everything we can. And, we, and the best way to do it is to stand with everybody else. I mean, this isn't just about the Seneca Nation fighting New York State. We all should be beating up on the Interior Department, saying, no, we don't want you putting us uh, in harm's way with, with these states. None of them. Not New York, not California, not New Mexico, not Oklahoma, not South Dakota, not North Dakota, not Idaho, none of them. The problem is, we aren't racists, but we support racism. We support it with Everybody we take advice from who comes from that world, whether they're, whether they're white, it doesn't matter what color they are, because racism is systemic and we keep wanting to use that system. We need to separate ourselves from it. And, and we should be standing with, with other people who, uh, who are like-minded that have the same battle we should be standing with our with our friends. But we damn sure should be standing up for ourselves. And that's that's not what we're doing here. I mean, and even again, even this idea, well, we could always do class two. Look, I think that's a nice fallback position. And that should be looked at as a safety net. Because if we go go to the mat with New York State over things like um, the state walking away from a compact. We're going to have these these billion dollar buildings, a billion dollars worth of gaming enterprises. We're going to figure out what we do with them. And if we can't um, beat the state under the uh, and, and make IGRA work for us, then we've got to operate without it. And you know whether that's class two or whether whether we we make a solid legal case 
that the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act is forget about constitutional. You can't you can't impose that on us. That might be an option to do class three gaming that way, but you can't make us do it that way. You can't impose us. You can't impose the states upon us. That's something that we've got to stand up for. Anyway, look, I want to keep uh, keep covering this issue. Um, and as, as I hear more about what's happening in Oklahoma and other states um, and updates on what the Senecas uh, are going through. But, man, I got to tell you, if you're Seneca, you better ask some questions. You better find out what the, what, what, you know, what the Seneca Nation is doing. Because well, one of the rumors out there that I heard was that, that there's some backdoor negotiations going on with the governor. I don't know if that's even true. I hope not. But I'm not Seneca. The, the, you Senecas out there, you, you should be concerned. All right, that's about it for today. All right, thanks for listening. This is John Kane for Let's Talk Native. We'll see you in a few days.